City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. You are listening to the Buzzer Beaters Podcast on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast Network is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. A report from Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports suggests that Miles Bridges is not expected to be on the Charlotte Hornets next season. That, plus Nick Smith Jr. has been stepping up and balling out for the Hornets here recently. We dive into this on the latest episode of the Buzzer Beaters Podcast. First and foremost, I'm your host for today's episode, Atticus Ferguson. And I'm your co-host, Eric Barnes. Eric, man, it's been a while since we've chatted. You know, travel's been going on with the holidays, had some work travel. Uh, you know, the, the listeners won't see the behind the scenes of what just went into getting the intro done. That was uh, take three there. You know, we're, we're back like we never left, man. Look, man, what you're trying to do, you're just trying to emulate the Charlotte Hornets. You know, they've had a lot of injuries. You've been out a couple weeks. So we're just trying to be one with the team right now and kind of calculate that energy. Hopefully we get you back our point guard, and hopefully we'll get our point guard back and LaMelo Ball with the Charlotte Hornets pretty soon. Now, that may be a little bit of wishful thinking, but, hey, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened indeed, yeah. Well, I noticed that a lot of the guys, when they come back from their injuries or their you know, uh, assorted, their random assortments of absences, they don't seem to have as much of an adjustment curve as we just did, so – uh, but as you pointed out off air, there seems to be a lot more raw talent on the Hornets roster than maybe uh, is shared on this podcast here. I, don't know. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, I don't know. I mean, their win-loss record, hey, good win last night against the Nets, or I guess by the time people will be listening to this a couple nights ago. Um, but, yeah, we, we march forward, man. We march forward just like the Hornets are. You know, you got to grab your lunch pail and, and go to work. That's it, man. That's exactly it. Yeah, that game last night, man, that was a nail-biter. Um, you know, Hornets out here setting records. Terry Rozier having uh, maybe the best performance of his career. Definitely, you know, from what I can recall, his best performance as a Charlotte Hornet. I, I, will, I will say, uh, not to take anything away from that win and and the, the good vibes from that, but if that's what it's going to take for kind of this currently depleted Charlotte Hornets team to win games, uh, I'm not sure that's a recipe they can go out and repeat on a nightly basis, but you know, as they say, it sure felt good to win one. Yeah, you know, it did. And the Hornets needed a win really, really bad. Um, the defense was an issue, right? I know <laughs> winning solves everything. But that defensive effort last night, I mean, granted the Nets were knocking down, you know, a lot of shots. But I guarantee you if the Hornets lose that game, Clifford is fuming in the post game again. Um, so something they got to get better at. But granted, they obviously they're down, you know, a plethora of players. Um, but, hey, as, as long as you win, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, stack them up. Hopefully you get Melo back. And hopefully you can kind of sneak in the playoffs uh, in the back stretch of the season. That's right. Yeah. And, and the Brandon Miller injury, luckily, doesn't seem to be anything long term. I mean, fingers crossed. I'm not superstitious, but you can knock out what if you would like with the way the Charlotte Hornets injury reports go. You know, you know, Brandon Miller could be out a game or two, or he could be out a month or two. Obviously, we don't expect that, but just kind of poke it some fun out the way those injury reports seem to sometimes be a little 
uh, misleading or a little misguiding. But uh, yeah, Brandon Miller being back soon, that'll be a big help. Hopefully we don't have to have as much, we don't have to be so reliant on, uh, you know, watching an offensive explosion from a guy like a Terry Rozier. Hopefully a PJ Washington can get out of slump soon. Uh, and the Hornets can, Hornets can get back on a roll and kind of just try to tread water until LaMelo balls back. Last night, Ashley Shamadi seemed to, you know, have a, have a little bit of a sprinkle of optimism, you know, LaMelo going to be reevaluated uh, at this point, a little under a week from now. Uh, and it seems to suggest that he could be back a little bit sooner than what reports were initially indicating or uh, speculating. So, you know, the, the sooner he's back, the less time the Hornets have to find a way to tread water uh, and, and potentially lose ground of, of where they already were, which was pretty far behind the eight ball to begin with when he was healthy. Yeah, and in that little stretch there, you brought up P.J. Washington. I know we talked preseason about P.J., you know, about maybe becoming a little more consistent. And, and the start of the year was so good, but it just seems like, you know, maybe this is just who P.J. is. He he has some good games, and then he's going to have a bad stretch. Now, the good news is, since he's been on this bad stretch, hopefully he turns it around here soon. You know, it's it's been probably about a week or two now of just kind of, you know, play that isn't really what you're looking for. Um, but then again, to be fair to PJ, his role is constantly changing. He was a starter, then he's coming off the bench. Now he's playing some backup five. So like they're just kind of throwing him all over the place. And when you're a guy that's constantly having to change your role, it is hard to find a groove. So I will give him a little bit of slack there. I'll cut him a little bit slack, but it would be nice to see him just become a little bit more of a consistent player. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's fair context uh, to bring up, and, and I think it's more than appropriate to cut P.J. a little slack, but not to make this a, a P.J. Washington analysis podcast, but just one more thing I'm going to add on that is that you said maybe this is who P.J. is. I, I mean, I, I think we have more than enough of a sample size to say this is just who P.J. is. Like every, every offseason going into the new season, you know, us Hornets fans are hoping that P.J. is going to find more consistency on offense uh, and, and it just doesn't seem to happen. When he has those offensive explosions, it's nice. Uh, his versatility, especially on the defensive end, uh, is crucial for this team. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm not selling all my P.J. stock. I'm just not expecting it to, to go to the moon ever uh, at this point in his career. I'd, I'd be happy to be proven wrong, but, yeah, I think we have more than enough proof uh, in a sample size to indicate that this is just kind of what P.J. is. Uh, which, yeah. hey, you know, he's a nice player. The Hornets got him on a – reasonable contract this offseason and locked him up locked him up uh, relatively long term so you know it is what it is yeah and, and you know, that's the thing with pj uh, obviously as fans you know they they want to see more on a consistent basis but look he's a high iq player that helps you out in a lot of different ways and plays a lot of different roles so again not to make it too much about pj but you know hopefully we'll, we'll course correct soon and and he can kind of get back on track that's it, man. That's it. Well, uh, enough about that for now. Definitely was get to, good to get back in the win column uh, last night. And again, when you're hearing this, it'll be two nights ago uh, at that point. But let's shift gears and, and discuss this report from Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports. So again, if you missed it, uh, if you haven't read the report or seen tweets about this uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast, Jake Fisher uh, released a report that seems to indicate that uh, sources around the league are not indicating or are not expecting Miles Bridges to be back on the Hornets. Uh, 
next season. So a couple of things I want to say to kind of preface this conversation, Eric, and then I'm going to open it up to you. Uh, James Plowright, uh, obviously all Hornets, James Plowright. He brought up a good point uh, in his bit over on allhornets.com. Definitely check that out if you haven't already. But you know, he brought up a good point that Fisher was the first to report this offseason that Miles Bridges and the Hornets were not close on their negotiations of a long-term deal. So that does establish some credibility here. Not that he's not a credible reporter to begin with, but that does give him a little bit of a leg up in credibility here on the Miles Bridges news. One thing that is interesting in kind of reading between the lines he did indicate that it's leaks like sources around the league are expecting this, which in my mind, I would kind of, I interpret that personally as, you know, people around the league, that's how they're gauging the situation and not as much of, you know, he's speaking to someone in Bridges camp or with the Hornets organization directly. So, you know, that's all good. Well, if people around the league, that's kind of what their pulse of the situation is. Uh, but if it's not a leak directly from the Hornets organization or Bridges camp, I would definitely take it with much more of a grain of salt. And then obviously Miles Bridges responded under uh, a tweet that was referencing that report today and just responded with one question mark. So, you know, I'm not saying that that tweet and obviously, you know, you can take anything with a grain of salt there, but I'm not saying that that tweet means that Bridges is definitely going to be back next year. But I think that at least means that it's his understanding that him not being on the team next year is not a done deal. Uh, so, you know, I don't think he's living under the assumption that he's gone next year. Uh, I think that at least tells us that and that's safe to assume uh, that he's not come to that conclusion yet. But yeah, Eric, what were kind of your thoughts when you first saw that? I know a lot of people had strong reactions and then miles came back with his, uh, his comment, which definitely made it much more of an interesting conversation. What, what was kind of your initial takeaway on that whole situation? You know, it's interesting because me and you have been talking about the Miles Bridges offseason situation all fair for probably a couple weeks now. And today when that report drops, when you first see it, or at least when I first saw it from Jake Fisher, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of a bummer. You know, he's talent-wise, he's definitely one of our top players. Um, he gives you a lot of versatility. So it kind of seems like he's gone. Um and then, what, not even an hour or two later, he puts a question mark under it. So, in my head, I'm kind of right back to where I started with it all, you know? So, like, I think it's a real possibility Bridges is going in the offseason, but I think it's just as likely that he's back. Um, and that's kind of what happened with the report today and then Bridges' response. Um, the fascinating thing is going to be is if the Hornets do bring him back, what is the number? Is it 20? Would it be 25? Is it 30? It could get to 30. Um, is he looking for more than 30, depending on how the season goes? Then that's kind of getting a little crazy. Uh, I know there was a report today, you know, Zach Levine's been on the trade block, and he's a really talented player. But the report today is he has no trade market because he's making over $40 million, and it's a long-term contract, and nobody wants to be tied to Levine for that long, and plus give up assets to get him. So, that's kind of the line you have to uh, tiptoe with Bridges if you're the Hornets front office. I mean, you want to retain your talent, the guys you drafted, but you also don't want to put yourself in a bad position by saying, hey, we don't really have a choice. We have to bring him back. But the truth is they kind of don't have a choice. You know, you either A, have to trade him to get some sort of assets back because the Hornets being a small market team, they're not in a position to where they can just let guys leave talented guys leave and get nothing in return. So 
to me, it's one of two things. A, you have to trade them, which I really don't get the sense they're going to do in season. Or B, you have to re-sign them. But if you get to B in the offseason, at that point, there's a good chance Miles is going to have a lot of leverage in that situation. Plus, he's not restricted either. So, like me and you have been talking about for a couple weeks now, I, that's one of the, the most fascinating storylines long-term that I'm looking at from the Hornets is what happens with Miles Bridges in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in agreement with the train of logic that if the new ownership group, Rich Kupchak or you know whatever combination of the two entities, if they have already definitively or even like 90% decided that they're not bringing Bridges back after this season, then they should definitely be trading him at the deadline unless there's some sort of miraculous turnaround where this team looks like they're poised for a playoff push. And, uh, you know, you want to ha- have bridges around to help make that push and start establishing some sort of winning culture here for a season. But I, I don't, I don't see that as the, as the scenario, you know, I saw a lot of tweets today saying, you know, well, the Hornets have taken this massive PR hit just to rent him for a half season. Um, and I, I don't, I also don't necessarily view it that way. It would be a massive PR hit just to have him for half a season and trade him. But at the end of the day, that may have been what was, you know, if that happens, that may have been what was best from an asset management standpoint. And they were willing to take that hit uh, to put him back out there, raise his trade value at the deadline and then sell him to get more in return for him. But I just, I, I, I can't imagine that they that they've already decided on this. I think they're putting him back out there just to let him prove what his value still is on the court, to let him see what type of player he is. And, and I think you can't undervalue their relationship with Lamelo Ball. Uh, obviously, their chemistry is a very real thing on the court, but mm-hmm. you know, keeping your star player happy, him and you know, Miles Bridges. A very controversial figure, deservingly so. There's no denying that his teammates and Lamella Ball in particular really seem to love the guy. Um, so if you're going to continue to kind of pander to him uh, and try to keep him satisfied, I, I don't think just letting Miles Bridges walk is is going to serve you well in the long term keeping Lamella Ball happy uh, sweepstakes. Well, here's the thing with the situation too. You think back to a week ago when they played the Wizards. What did Miles Bridges say after the game? He said, LaMelo, he made the leap. He's a superstar. And I would imagine, from Miles' perspective, LaMelo is just scratching the surface. And being the friendship that they have, I think there's a decent chance he wants to kind of continue to do that and grow with LaMelo, whether it's being his, you know, number two or number three. And I would say at the four, his, you know, the fourth best player on the Hornets, uh, but probably more like two or three. Um and what situation is better? And, of course, there's plenty of, of different teams out there that, that are interested in, in the production that he provides. But I just think Miles being in the building every day, he can kind of see the potential with the team. But right now with all these injuries, you know, it's not showing up in the win-loss column. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And something that we should add in in this conversation, as far as the trade with Miles Bridges – I don't know the exact terms of it, but he has a no trade clause with whatever deal and, and what the CVA is with his current contract. So that complicates things even further because you can trade him to somebody, but they're going to have to have a pretty good idea. They're going to re-sign him for them to give up 
anything that's valuable at all. So that's a whole nother curveball in this entire situation that could be have a big effect on, you know, how this plays out as we near closer to the trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a team, I, I could see if they were to deal about the deadline, it would probably be a, to a contender, especially because he has that no trade clause there. Um, so, I mean, a contender is obviously not giving up a ton because if they do give up a ton of current assets, they're no longer a contender. Um, and you're not going to get a boatload of draft picks for a half season rental potentially of Miles Bridges. Uh, now, granted, if they have hypothetically come to that determination that he's not back next season, no matter what, you know, you're trading over pennies on the dollar for a half season rental, but you still take the pennies on the dollar instead of nothing. Uh, so, but in that case, I still think they're, they're more likely to let it play out next off season, see what the market is and, and see if they can match or exceed any other offers there. You know, there's, there's another train of thought out there. Uh, and James, again, to reference his piece today, he suggested just kind of some of the scenarios that could be playing out and, you know, maybe miles, he said, you know, maybe miles would want a fresh start, right? There's kind of some baggage here. Uh, maybe he'll want to go to a contender, go somewhere more close to home, uh, which would be the Detroit Pistons in that case. Uh, but I'm not so sure of that. I, I don't think he would be completely closed off to going somewhere necessarily. But, uh, I mean, from what I understand, one, I think he would still want to con continue to play with Lamelo. He's got a lot of friends on the team that I think he would want to continue to to be around. Uh, I, From what I understand, he seems to like living in Charlotte. Uh, he seems to love the fans here. Uh, it's kind of a, a low key place for him. You know, he's got some obviously high profile off the court stuff, and this is a little bit of a softer media market, more of a low key uh, market. We saw in LA where the paparazzi's following you around, badgering you with questions about this off the court drama. And and another thing that's underrated uh, is his his kids are here. Uh, you know, obviously his ex partner uh, and him have all the off the court situation um, and, and all of the negativity with that, but that does lead us to kind of know that you know, that believe right now they've got shared custody. Uh, I don't know if Miles Bridges, hypothetically, let's say he's playing with the Lakers and that, uh, you know, his ex partner is here in Charlotte. You know, I mean, these are things you have to think about. Like how, yeah. how is his relationship with his, his family affected? Um, I don't know if that's going to be affected by the legal process as well. I don't want to get into the weeds there, but that is another right. factor to, to, to look at when you're evaluating this. Yeah, and I want to tie this back into the Hornets' front office. I think the Hornets' front office right now and ownership, they're looking at this. They're not really trying to trade for younger assets, I would say. I think the way they view it, they see LaMelo in the next couple of years really start to enter his prime. And with that being the case, I don't see them really wanting to trade legitimate, productive NBA players for draft picks or, like, first or second year players, like they're not really in that stage at this point. Now, if you have a draft pick, if they end up with a decent draft pick, I'm not saying they won't use it. Um, but yeah, you can't get rid of a 20 plus per game score that plays a little bit of defense and helps you on the boards and super versatile just to get, you know, some picks and a young player. To me, if there was a trade, it would have to be for someone like a Zach Levine, just as an example. So it's like I said, it's a fascinating situation, whether it's a trade, whether he's re-signed, whether he signs with another team of pre-agency. And I'm very interested 
to see how new ownership and this front office navigate it here over the next calendar year. Yeah. And, you know, one more thing, Eric, you mentioned new ownership and this just reminded me, I think I may have referenced this briefly on our last episode. I'm not sure, but I was at a season ticket holder event uh, a few weeks ago uh, for one of the first home games, maybe the very first home game. I can't recall, but uh, we had a town hall with the new ownership group and they were asked some questions about Miles Bridges and uh, Brandon Miller, just kind of some of the off the courts uh, controversy and baggage that's come with both of those guys. And someone had asked them a question. I don't remember word for word what it was, but they basically asked a question about valuing ethics uh, and, and what kind of placement they would have, the new ownership group would have on valuing ethics. Uh, and they, they seem to indicate that that would be a big factor, right? Um, and, and, you know, if I were to take what their response were, was very literally, I would have been saying, mm, you know, this Miles Bridges legal situation doesn't end up uh, reflecting positively for Miles, then I don't see him being back here long term. However, you got to take that with a grain of salt, right? You could... You can interpret what they say one way, and then and I'm not trying to put words in their mouth, but then they could come back, you know, if someone were to try to cross-reference them on that after they signed Miles Bridges to a four-year contract, they could say, well, you know, they could try to spin zone it. So I don't want to take their word right. uh, as gospel there, but it, it was interesting hearing their response and talking about how they're really going to value ethics and all that sort of thing. Uh, cool. And then looking at the Miles Bridges situation this offseason, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how their answer there matches with their actions this offseason, for sure. Well, how many times have we seen, whether it's owners, general managers, coaches, kind of give you the politician or politically correct thing to say, you know, in that moment? And then when it comes down to business, whenever that may come, like things are a little bit different. Um and I think that can be the case here, considering, you know, the talk and, and rightfully so around Miles Bridges before his return is probably not really in their interest to come out and say, yeah, we love Miles Bridges. We're going to bring him back. And that being one of the first things they tell fans at a town hall, that's probably not super wise of them. Um, maybe maybe they kind of always wanted to bring him back, but they just wanted him to get on the court and whether it's right or wrong over time, you know, these things fade and people, the truth is just start to care a little bit less about it. So who knows, but that that's why, you know, we have been talking about it the last couple of weeks. I mean, I think, I really think this thing could go any way. Like I wouldn't be surprised by it. And I think the tweet that James put out on Twitter earlier, uh, really summed it up very well and, and the various different directions it could go. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> kind of just to uh, reference something you were saying there. Yeah. The, obviously the owners aren't going to come out and say, yeah, yeah, we're really not going to, we're really not going to give a shit about ethics. It's just about winning basketball at all costs. Yeah. They're not going to come out and yeah, and like, just say something absurd like that. Like they're, they're going to say that they care about ethics and I'm not saying they don't, but whether they do or, you know, maybe that's something that's second fiddle to winning or whatever the case is. Like they're always going to say the right thing in those situations right. because. And look, I view myself, have. I view myself as like a realist. Like I, I don't really like to, you know, sugarcoat things, I guess. And the way I look at it, the reality is these NBA organizations, they're not running for office. They're in the business of winning basketball games for better or worse. And as far as asset management, if you're trying to win basketball games, it's 
probably in the Hornets' interest to bring him back. And that, to me, that's just the reality of the situation. Yep. Yep, that is the, you know, sometimes cold reality of professional sports ownership and management is that you have to balance the fine line of, you know, sometimes off the court or off the field issues and what is the player's production level versus the distractions they bring me off the field. And we see a lot of players in a lot of different sports get second chances and third chances and fourth chances because of their production level when, you know, significantly less talented players never receive a second chance for even sometimes significantly uh, less harsh offenses because their talent and production level doesn't match their, uh, you know, the, it doesn't outweigh the off the court, off the field distractions is right, what I'm trying to right. say. I randomly lost my train of thought as I was finishing my point there as I like to do yeah, sometimes. <laughs> you're totally good. And another way I look at it, you know, obviously he's valuable on the court, right? And and he helps the team. But then I asked myself, okay, Miles Bridge is gone. You get nothing for him. What does that look like? And to me, as far as a basketball product, that really hurts the Hornets' chances of, you know, their playoff hopes, whether it's this year or continuing to be a good team in, in the coming years. And, and if you lose him for nothing, where are you going to replace that production? You're going to sign someone in free agency to come to Charlotte? You're going to move a lot of your young pieces to get a bona fide player. Um, it's just, I don't know where the answers come from to just let a, t- a basketball talent leave like that. Yeah. What I think is, you know, one of my last points here on the miles thing is that obviously, you know, whether you agree or not uh, on the miles situation, a lot of people are in the camp of he should be gone. I don't care. And I totally respect that. Uh, a lot of people look at it from kind of a, almost a managed, a pseudo management uh, thought process. You know, I, I just, I, I, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, you're not the Los Angeles Lakers. You're not the New York Yankees. You're not the Dallas Cowboys. You can't just have talent come to you because you're you and you have this right. award, this history, uh, and this prestige, right? The Charlotte Hornets don't just roll over in bed and and run into all-star, borderline all-star talents. So to get rid of one for nothing or to get rid of one for pennies on the dollar, 50 cent on the dollar, it's going to be, whether you think they should or not, it's going to be a hard pill to swallow. And and, and I don't know if you're going to bring in someone nearly as talented as him because uh, if you look at the Hornets track record, uh, I probably don't need to remind you or any of the listeners it ain't great with, with drafting and developing and, and attracting all-star talent. So right. you've got cool. him on the, on the roster now, and I'm not sure that you're going to ever really be able to re- replace that if, if he walks. Well, and here's an analogy for you, like talking about the Cowboys, the Lakers, and franchises like that. Those franchises are like the, the 6'4 guy, works out all the time, you know, he's making over 100, 200K a year. Like, he's doing good. All the girls love him. Charming. And the reality is the Hornets are more like the five, seven guy. You know, he he's still trying to figure things out. Doesn't really have the right job yet. You know, he's working towards that great future. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, free agents and, and attracting people to, to come and, and be a part of this organization or that analogy maybe come hang out at your house. Yeah, I mean the Hornets just aren't there right now. Yep. Yeah, the five seven guy who's trying to figure life out, Charlotte Hornets. You know, one thing they say about him though, 
they've, they've got a great personality. Uh, they'll really make you laugh, and, and they're going to be very loyal. We'll say that in the about words them. Of, in the words of Kanye West, he got that ambition, baby. Look in his <laughs> eye. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, you're, you're exactly right, man. Uh, it's just – it's hard to imagine the Hornets just easily recouping – uh, right. and, and gathering a talented player like Miles, so they let him go. So it's really a lose-lose situation. Uh, also kind of a win-win where if you get rid of him, some people are happy. If you bring it back, it helps your team. But a lose-lose where you get rid of him, you hurt your team uh, and piss the people off. But then you also yeah, – it's, 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 it's a, a very, situation very complex, nuanced situation. And that's why I've used the word fascinating to describe it several times because – I, I, I'm really very intrigued on, you know, what moves will be made. Yep. Yeah. Let's kind of wrap that up. I obviously things can change with time. When new information comes out, you know, we can obviously adjust and shift our opinion. But right now, if you had to ask me and to pull out my life savings and put all my money on him returning or not returning next year, I would be placing my life savings on him returning. I would be nervous that I would be broke the next day, but that's where I would be placing my money in that hypothetical. Well, and, and for all of the the betters and gamblers out there that are listening, I don't know. I mean, if you get, say, plus 150 odds or something like that, 100 to win 150, I, that's a bet I would make. But um, we'll see, you know. We shall see. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll wrap that up there. Uh, moving on to the Nick Smith Jr. topic. But before we do that, I want to talk to you, Eric, about allhornets.com. This podcast is brought to you by allhornets.com, a credentialed Charlotte Hornets media outlet powered by Sports Illustrated. Allhornets.com's aim is to bring you 360-degree coverage on all things Charlotte Hornets. From breaking news, rumors, fan Q&As, and in-depth analysis, allhornets.com covers it all, and nobody does it better. Definitely head over there if you haven't already. If you're a diehard Hornets fan, uh, like probably all of you are if you're listening, uh, definitely good new stuff dropping there pretty much on a daily basis. Game previews, roundtables with score predictions, uh, you know, analysis to breaking news, all the good stuff there on allhornets.com. So, Eric, your guy, I mean, our guy, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the nod and say mainly your guy, Nick Smith Jr., has been showing some flashes recently, man. I mean, we had been screaming to the heavens for him to get some more minutes. Obviously, Teo Maldon's had his struggles. Uh, there's been some struggles at guard play for the Hornets, and everybody, including myself, has been saying, throw NSJ in there. He can't be much worse. If nothing else, he gets to develop and work through some of the, the rookie struggles. Uh, and he has looked impressive, uh, none more so than yesterday or two days ago against the Brooklyn Nets. Eric, this is your guy. I'm going to let you take the lead on this. What, what are we thinking about NSJ? Yeah, man. Um, post-draft, the episode we did post-draft, I, I feel like I went over a lot of the things I'm about to you know, cover again right now. Um, but look, man, this guy was a five-star prospect in high school, not, you know, just over a year ago. Um, he goes to Arkansas, um, you know, and he, he was a top five prospect. I think certain outlets had him at one, no lower than two. Um, he goes to Arkansas. Uh, I've got the stats pulled up here. He played 17 games. He started 14 games. Um, and also that was staggered. He played some at the beginning of the season, and then he took some time off. It was kind of odd. And then he came back toward the end of the season. And for a college player, man, it is tough to do that. So 
during draft time, his, his draft stock fell. And, and also his numbers in school weren't very good. You know, he was less than 40% from the field, less than 40% from three. His free throw percentage wasn't even that great for a guard. He was in the 70s. So I understand why he fell. But when you watch him play basketball, man, he can dribble the ball. He can shoot the ball. He's not really a pass-first player, but he's got some of that in him. And from what I've seen to this point, he on defense, he's really trying on defense. And I think part of that is, you know, he hasn't gotten many minutes to this point. So when he gets out onto the court, he's trying to do every single thing he can to stay on the floor. Um, and, and his touch with the basketball, I think he has an elite touch. So I'm really excited about Nick Smith Jr., if you couldn't tell at this point. And I'm excited to see – where his career takes him. I think he's a definitive hit. And I know it's kind of premature to say that at this point. <laughs> I think that his floor is going to be like a six man kind of microwave type of score type player. Now it could take him a few years to continue to grow into that role, but I definitely think he's an NBA player. He has NBA talent and he's going to stick in the league a long time. Ooh, a definitive hit. Some conviction there, Mr. Barnes. There's no doubt. He's got the talent. He is a, He's got it. He is a definitive hit. You heard it here first. If you haven't heard it before, if you don't know, now you know. There you go, man. Yeah, I mean, I love this kid. He's exciting. Uh, he's something new. He's something to be excited about uh, at that point guard role, which, you know, once some of the ball's out of the game, Unless Terry Rozier is taking over at point guard, there's usually not much to be excited for. This kid, though, man, I mean, you, you kind of pointed to it. I mean, he's just a bucket getter. Something yeah. I really love about him and, and have uh, really, I don't know if admired about him is the right word, but we'll just say admired because that sounds more dramatic. Uh, <laughs> something I've really admired about him is, man, he's just fearless out there. It's funny you yeah. say that because that's the word I've been thinking about for the last minute you've been talking. The next point I was going to make, he really is fearless, man. He isn't yeah. afraid of the moment. He's ready to pull the shot. He's not hesitating. He's just going out there and trying to get buckets and, you know, do his best to to help help the team win. Yeah, and to add on to that, you know, I think we knew it was a possibility he'd be playing some minutes at this point in the season. But no one could say they knew without a doubt that he was going to be playing and contributing some significant minutes at this point in the year, including Nick Smith Jr. I'm sure he had that self-belief that he could and that he could earn those minutes, but nobody knew for sure what his role would be at this point in the season or really throughout the season at all. And this man's going in there like he's a third-year player, man. I mean, he's so confident, so fearless, You know, makes a mistake, doesn't get bothered by it, doesn't rattle him. I mean, this kid just has a confidence out there, man. And it's it's interesting because, you know, a, a big reason he slipped in the draft was because of his injuries uh, and lack of availability his first year at Arkansas there. So this kid's coming off of a season where he didn't play much organized basketball. And we're getting this? This is what we're getting? Like, this is this is exciting, man. Like, imagine what he can do after a full year of NBA basketball, uh, you know, a full offseason, a full training camp, uh, maybe a summer league, depending if he keeps playing like this. Probably not another summer league, right? Uh, I mean, we saw some flashes of this in the summer league. He had that one game. I think he went out for 30-plus. I want to say 
it was 34 points. I have no idea. I haven't checked the summer leagues box scores in a while, but I know he, he was cooking in that one game uh, and really kind of had that microwave scoring ability that you referenced. But man, I, this, this may have been one of the, one of the bigger steals of the draft and one of the biggest steals in, in Hornets draft history, depending on how it all shakes out, man. It's he's exciting to watch. He's fun. He's something new to get excited for. Um, you know, can't say the same for maybe some of the other backup cards on this team. Yeah, you know, I don't want to take a shot at them, but yeah, man, he's a lot of fun to watch. And and he's something, you know, in, in a time where there's a lot of things to be pessimistic about with the Hornets, he's something to to really to really be excited and happy about. Yeah, I mean, the dude is a lottery talent. There's no doubt about it. I mean, before his freshman season, he like we've covered before, he was projected on a lot of these mock drafts to go. Two, as high as two. I mean, he was never over Wimbenyama, but, you know, preseason he was projected to go two, three. I mean, they had him on ESPN for interviews. He had this kind of hype and kind of a weird season, you know, and and his stock plummets. So I think he's going to be a good NBA player. Now, what does that look like? I'm not 100% sure. Is he a starter-level player? I think he has starter-level talent, but – He's just so small, man. Like as far as skinny defensively, I don't know how that would look next to Lamelo um, long term. And, and I'm thinking long term now. But like I mentioned earlier, I think at the minimum you're getting a six man type of player uh, coming off the bench. And there is upside for more growth. Uh, but really, I'm just ecstatic that the it seems like the Hornets have found somebody like that. Yeah, and he's another fun player to watch grow. Uh, obviously, Brandon Miller's been really exciting, and we're looking forward to watching him grow. James Najee stashed overseas, so we don't get to watch that, you know, live and in person right now. Uh, so it's it's fun to have uh, a little bit more of like a mini youth movement. And when you have guys like Lamelo hurt, all sorts of guys in and out of the lineup uh, and onto the injury report, it's good. Yeah, especially when the team's not doing uh, a ton of winning. Hopefully they'll get back to that and use that Nets win to springboard them into some wins, maybe a winning streak. But, you know, while the team's not doing a lot of winning, you have to find little things to enjoy and look forward to. And typically that's LaMelo Ball, but we know he's unavailable now. Brandon Miller is one of those one of the big things. It's funny. You you always text me. You're like, if you know, now that LaMelo's out, you're like, if Brandon Miller's out, uh, I have nothing to look forward to or watch tonight. Well, <laughs> Now, now, going forward, if Brandon Miller's unavailable, maybe we, you know one of the things you can look forward to and get excited about is some Nick Smith Jr. minutes, man. So it, it's, it's good just to have another reason to give the fan base some hope and keep them engaged and uh, it keeps stringing, keep stringing us along. Hey, I do want to backtrack just a little bit there. I did text you that if Brandon Miller's not playing, you know, is there much of a reason to watch? But an hour later, I did say I found a reason to watch. Nick Smith Jr. <laughs> may get about 20, 25 minutes. And he did, and he bought out. So, I mean, it was fun to watch, man. Uh, excited for Nick. Excited to see how he grows. And really, you know, big picture, obviously things aren't great right now, but I'm excited to just see all these young guys grow together. You know, outside of Terry and Gordon, the guys that we drafted, none of them are really older than 25. So, as this team can continue to grow together, you know, looking out a year, two, three years, I'm excited to see what they can turn it into, you know, over time. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, him and, uh, you know, even Bryce McGowan's who yes. going into this yes. season was kind of flying under the radar. 
Uh, you know, he's had some now he's had some lows. He's had some games and some some outings where he hasn't been phenomenal. But, you know, he's really had some sparks and some nights where he's got hot from shooting. And, uh, you know, he's kind of been like a little bit of an unsung hero at times. So uh, NSJ and Bryce Young or, or Bryce Young. <laughs> Not Bryce, oh, Young. Bryce Young. Bryce That's Young. A, we can go for hours on that too if we really want to. Yeah. Steer clear, please. I no Panthers talk right now. I, I can't do it. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to make everyone flinch when I brought up a, a Carolina Panthers player. Uh I apologize if anyone's in their car and almost got into a wreck when they heard me reference something about the Carolina Panthers. Um but yeah, Bryce McGowan's and NSJ. You know, the kind of unsung heroes, it's, it's going to be fun to see if they can continue this level of play uh, and keep it consistent. And with Bryce, especially if he can find a little bit more consistency with it. But good to have Bryce healthy. Good to have NSJ out there getting some minutes. I don't see any reason why NSJ should be getting reduced minutes. Like I, when Frank Nielakina gets healthy, uh, I, I guess that might cut into it a little bit because he can bring some things to the defensive end. And, and Clifford really seems to love him for kind of that uh, DSJ mold from last year. But I mean, Nick Smith should not be. There should not be any situation going forward. Nick Smith's riding the pine for the entire game. Like Teo I mean, and Ish, I'm good without seeing them play over NSJ personally. No, I mean I tend to agree. Ish is interesting because he is, you know, a true point guard, and he he does have some good moments. His last game was probably his worst game of the season. Um, but I mean, I definitely wouldn't be bad to see Nick out there over Ish just because. You know, we're still as much as we want to make the playoffs right now, we're still kind of looking long term, you know, of, of what these young guys can become. Now, as far as Bryce, I do want to touch on Bryce. He's definitely taken a step in the past week or two because, you know, at first he was kind of, you know, didn't seem very confident, you know, kind of looked like he was, you know, hesitating and maybe overthinking a little bit out there. I don't know if it was the coaches, I don't know if it was his teammates, but in the last few games, you can see a difference in the confidence that he's playing with. He is putting up shots. He's not thinking about it. And he's just letting it fly. And this may be me looking too closely for something. I thought with Bryce McGowan's jump shot, he it, it was fine, but it was kind of a little hitchy, like almost he like brought it over his face maybe a little bit. Um, and these last few games, I feel like with him looking more comfortable, I, I feel like I almost don't even see that as much as I did before. Again, I, I could be wrong, but that's just kind of, I guess, to my untrained eye that that's kind of what I'm seeing out there. But, look, it's really promising. Six, seven guard slash wing that, you know, can shoot a little bit, can put the ball on the floor, get to the rim, get to the, the foul line. Um, you know, the, the Hornets have a lot of interesting pieces. And at, at the very minimum, we were talking about trades earlier. I think guys like Nick Smith and Bryce McGowan, if you are, like, going to try to pull off a big trade and bring in a big talent. Those are guys that have like legitimate throw in value in those type of trades compared to guys in the past, like book Knight or Kai Jones who are kind of just more so fillers. Um, now with that being said, I'm not saying I want to get rid of these guys, but then again, say in the off season, things don't go well for the Clippers and they're looking to blow it up. Like if those guys can be a part of a package to get say a Paul George, yeah, I would I would definitely not hesitate and, and do something like that. Yeah, and I just want to get back real quick to one of the points I was making. I, I wasn't saying that I don't want Ish to play at all, but I'm just saying right. I, I want I would no 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 I, I, I totally prefer, agree. 
I, yeah, I would prefer uh, NSJ to play over him. Now, Teo Maldon, that's maybe a different story. I don't want to make this a hate on Teo Maldon podcast, but. Um, well, the thing with Ish versus Nick, Ish, you know, obviously he's super quick, ball handling, you know, can make good decisions. But for everything he provides there, Nick Smith is basically making up for that with the way he's stretching the floor. I mean, on the season, he's shooting over 60% from three. I mean, that's absurd. Obviously, that's not sustainable, but it just goes to show you, like, this guy can legitimately play, and he's going to knock down shots. And he's one of those players, when he's getting ready to pull up for a jumper, I think it's going in, like, every time, even if it's a step back. Like, I'm in my mind, I'm like, that's going in. And to this point of the season, you know, 60-plus percent of the time from distance, it is. That's right. That's right. All right, Eric. Well, that about wraps it up for me. Do you have anything else you wanted to touch on here? I think I kind of covered all the bases on what I wanted to, to get out today. Um, no, I think that pretty much covers it for me. I'll tell you what, we're kind of lucky when we recorded. You know, everything has been so negative around the Hornets, and it's just kind of a lull, and, you know, on Thursday night, we get a big win. The Hornets get a big win. A little bit of positivity, some good showings from Nick and Bryce. We have covered it. I do want to say this one last thing, this little nugget I wanted to get in. A lot of people talk about the Hornets. You know, they can't sustain injuries. They're not deep enough. Last night, without Nick and Bryce, the Hornets don't win that game. They were a combined 7-7 seven seven from three. Obviously, I don't expect them to shoot that well every night. But if those are players that can turn into guys you can really trust to have on the floor – Having that depth on the Hornets roster, that's something that can really kind of swing the pendulum, whether it's this season or, or next season. So I just wanted to throw that little nugget in there, you know, before we close it out here. Absolutely. Yep. They they may be developing some more depth in front of our very eyes. So that would be an encouraging sign to see for this season and, and long term as well. Absolutely. Well, when you're listening to this, it will be game day. Hornets against the Timberwolves at five o'clock. A little bit of an odd start time there for a Saturday, but Hopefully, uh, hopefully by the next time we're talking to you, we'll be celebrating a win there, and uh, hopefully the Hornets will be turning it around. But, yep, Eric, it's fun today. I appreciate the time. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, as always, if you haven't followed us on Twitter or X, a underscore Hornets underscore Pod, uh, we appreciate the support there as we continue to grow that out. But Eric, until next time, I uh, will talk to you later.